It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You should know this by now, but in case you don't know, you can rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us also on Spotify. We are on the new Odyssey app. We are on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and pretty much wherever you get your podcast. And I'm thinking it's one of those locations, or maybe it's a different location. But either way, if you're listening, you found us some way. So that's how you can find us. There's also other options. Follow me on Twitter, at Julian Council. It's very simple, at Julian Council. Uh, you can find my name in the show description if you know how to spell it. Very easy to go out there and do. Where every Friday, like today, I'm going to need your participation for our weekly Friday mailbag going on throughout the Panthers offseason. Probably going to move it to the midweek once we actually get in season. But still, I want your participation. I want to hear from you every Friday until the Panther season starts so I know what kind of things you guys want to know. And I'll talk about that kind of stuff too. Um, also, if you're an NFL fan, I'm going to need you to do this. I'm going to need you guys to check out our guys, uh, Peacock and Williamson, NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout. Matt Williamson hosts Lockdowns Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective and all around the NFL covering all the latest news and insight on every game. Team, move around the NFL. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So subscribe to them, subscribe to here, and we'll all be square. All right, so again, Friday mailbag on today's show. But first, I want to get into a couple of things that I saw that were going in the through the, I guess, the Panthers news cycle the last uh, 24 hours or so. So today, someone tagged me on Twitter of a photo of Taylor Moten holding a key and celebrating buying a home here in Charlotte. And their takeaway from that was that, look, Taylor Moten bought a house. In Charlotte, which must mean he's going to sign a long-term extension here in Carolina. It could, but does it? I don't know. I'm not really trying to sit here and trivialize Taylor Moten buying a house, fulfilling a lifelong dream, getting to the NFL, then having the money to go buy. I'm sure it's going to be a a very beautiful home. Um, Here's the thing about Taylor Moten, guys, who, of course – Fifth-year option they have until July 15th to work out an extension. I hope the Carolina Panthers do it. Considering the state of their offensive line, he is the only guy on that O-line that I have any faith in. And also, just the business of the NFL, I want him to get paid as soon as possible. Because who knows what kind of injury could have happened to where he could be a Daryl Williams, who's going into a contract year, get hurt, and then he has to come back, sign a one-year small prove-it deal. That doesn't work out when he's playing out of position to where – you know, he had to go prove himself in Buffalo this past year, and things have worked out for Daryl. I don't know if it worked out to the point where he thought he would get when he became second-team All-Pro a couple seasons ago. And I'm not saying that's going to be Taylor Moten's destiny. 
Philemon's getting $13.75 million this year. That's a lot of money, obviously. So he is set up for, I mean, the foreseeable future, just considering what kind of money that is just for an average human being. But yeah, he wants a lot more than that. He deserves a lot more of that. And the Carolina Panthers absolutely should give him that money. And he should be the priority. Now, here's something to understand about Taylor Moten. And this was reported back in December by Joe Person. Taylor Moten's parents recently retired from Lansing, Michigan, of course. He went to Western Michigan up in Kalamazoo, and they've moved to the Charlotte area. His mom is from Gaston County, Gastonia, to be uh, specific. Um, And Moten has said it's been really cool reconnecting with her family. But he's not really necessarily ready to move yet, but he will move if need be. He was quoted by Person saying... I do love Charlotte. I've got family down here, and it's been a great city to me, obviously. But I understand it's a business. So it's just one of those things that going along with, we'll see what happens. So we'll see what happens. What's happened so far, he's going to be in Carolina for 2021. Past that, well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. As he said, we'll see what happens. So I'm not going to sit here and think about Taylor Boat and buying a house and thinking, oh, he's going to be a Carolina Panther. If anything, it just says that with his parents down here, and his mom having family here, and he obviously him having family here, that he wants to be in Charlotte after his football career and wants to be in a city for a long time. Now, if that means he's got to take a five-year pit stop somewhere else, I'm sure he'll do that, especially if the money and the opportunity is better than the one that's being presented here with the Carolina Panthers. Now, I hope that doesn't happen, but again, like he said, it's a business. Now, also going on with the offensive line with OTAs currently happening over... On Cedar Street, uh, Matt Rule believes that Brady Christensen, the Panthers' third-round pick out of BYU, who played left tackle, was a first-team All-American last season, helped Zach Wilson earn the number two overall, uh, I guess, billing and pick by the New York Jets. At least he played a role. Matt Rule believes that Brady Christensen can play four positions on the offensive line. He was quoted by saying, we thought he was a guy who could play tackle, but also be an elite guard, whether he can snap or not, and has the ability to make those calls. That's what these camps are for. But we saw him as a guy that had four-position flexibility. That shouldn't be surprising at this point in time. The Panthers have said since they drafted Brady Christensen, like they have not pigeonholed him to be the future left tackle. If that's how it works out, that'd be great. But he could also be the future left guard or the right guard. Or, I mean, right tackle? Hopefully not, considering Taylor Moten and wanting him to be here. Center, that is to be determined. If it wasn't obvious already... The Panthers, under Matt Rule, and now Scott Fitter, the new GM, they value positional flexibility more than mastery of one position. I saw Salesman, my guy on Twitter, who was very frustrated and saying, is it too much to ask for just to have a bomb left tackle? Well, yes, it is, because that's not what they value. What they value is positional flexibility. The Panthers would rather have a master of none, like Brady Christensen, than to have someone who flat out is just a left tackle. Now, Taylor Moten, if we're being honest, Taylor Moten is solely a right tackle. I'm sure he could probably step inside and be a dec- be a good guard. Left tackle, the Panthers put him there at points and times back when Ron Rivera was here. But as we saw, that's not his natural position. He's naturally a right tackle. All the guys that they brought in this past offseason, Pat Elfline, he can play guard. Looks like he's probably going to be a left guard. He can also potentially play center, which he played with the Vikings and back in college where he was the top center in all of college football at the Ohio State University. Cam Irving, 
He could play left tackle. He could play guard, positions that he's played in previous stops with the Cleveland Browns who drafted him in the first round, with the Kansas City Chiefs, and with the Dallas Cowboys last season. Positional flexibility is what they care about the most. David Moore, who they signed as a UDFA at a Grambling State University, he was playing center for them down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. He's probably more of a guard. Deontay Brown, I don't see Deontay Brown as anything other than a guard for the Carolina Panthers, especially at his size. I don't know how nimble he is on the outside. And, you know, that's a really big center at 350 pounds. So that's what they care about, positional flexibility. I understand the frustration that people have out there about not having the left tackle situation known right here May 20, I guess May 21st or whatever. We want to know that, obviously. I want to know that. It's something I spent a ton of time talking about. Just understand this. They only care, not only, but they mainly care about how many positions a player can play, not necessarily where they fit in as we currently sit here towards the end of May, heading towards Memorial Day weekend during OTAs. All right, it's that time again for the weekly mailbag on Fridays on Locked on Panthers. Going to get to your questions in just a moment. Bet online is the easiest and fastest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the greatest sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, it's another Friday. Let me answer your questions here for the Friday mailbag. Remember, follow me on Twitter at Julian Council. At Julian Council, like City Council, C O U N C I L, and well, I'm not gonna get into it. Never mind, not gonna touch it. Not gonna touch it. Um, all right, Tepper's Brass Balls, who, by the way, was the person who tagged me in that tweet talking about uh, Taylor Moten having bought a house in Charlotte, which is great for him. Congratulations to Taylor. Um, but I'm not gonna see that as a sign he's gonna be here in Carolina. He asked me, with the guys we added in free agency and the draft this off season. Do you think Greg Little is on the 53-man roster this fall? Uh, there is a 0.0000000001% chance that Greg Little is on the Panthers roster. It's not happening. It's not. You bring in Brady Christensen, third round in the draft. You sign Cam Irving. To $8 million guaranteed, which, okay, I don't understand what you see there. Other than, oh, he could play potentially two positions. Extremely poorly, but he could play two positions. Um, Greg Little, not necessarily a, a, 
flexible guy. And there was talk back when Marty Herney was a GM that they were going to try to move him to guard, which really ticked me off. Just thinking, okay, so you traded up in the second round to draft a guy who's only played left tackle back at Allen High School in Texas, back at the University of Mississippi down in Oxford, and then you want to move him to guard? We're trading up in the second round for guards? No, 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 no. He's not going to make the roster. And that's not even to say Trent Scott as well, who beat him out last season when the rent-to-tackle Russell Okung was out for multiple games last season. Trent Scott was better. So Trent Scott, Cam Irving, and Brady Christensen. Those will be your tackles alongside Taylor Moten. Greg Little, goodbye. Jonathan asks, with all the number news going on, which former Panthers numbers do you think should never be worn again? Well, as we know, there's only one number on uh, one player in Panthers franchise history who has their number retired. That's number 51, Sam Mills. Uh, you can even look at the other team in town, the Charlotte Hornets. The only number is retired is number 13, Bobby Phils, because of what happened to him in that tragic car accident on down on Tybola. Sam Mills, the keep pounding moniker, comes from him. His battle of cancer and, unfortunately, passing due to complications from cancer. Yeah, that's the only number I really think that should be retired. I'm not a huge, you got to retire this guy's number. I think it's out of respect for that player and what they meant to the organization. Like 89, Steve Smith. We don't need to see anyone wearing 89 for, I mean, it's almost been it's almost been a decade. But, like, for a decade, I don't think anyone needs to wear that number. Now, he's going to be royally ticked off if someone ever wears it, unless, like, you put, like, a patch on a uniform. That's what colleges do a lot of times, where they'll put a patch on a uniform just to remember that certain player. Um, that could make sense, but they're already in, a, in the, uh, the ring of honor. I think that's kind of all the honor that you need. Like, there's not going to be any more statues out there. And that's the thing about retiring numbers. When you think about the statues, the whole Jerry Richardson thing. When he has to sell the team and he basically puts in the contract to Tepper that you have to keep the statue out there. And the only reason they got rid of the statue was with last summer and all the stuff that was going on um, after the protests up in Minneapolis with George Floyd. And they're like, we're going to take it out because of like community safety reasons. Okay, well, you didn't want it up there. That's why you're getting rid of it. Stan Mills is out there as well. Seems to be a great guy, salty the earth from everything that was ever been reported. I don't know. I didn't know Sam Mills. I'm sure you didn't know Sam Mills. I have no idea. But he's a good man. You don't speak ill of the dead, of course. I just don't think because of those situations where you could have Richardson, I don't think it's the best idea to retire a guy's number. Because what happens if that guy turns out to be, you know, a horrible person in the end. And I'm not saying that that any of the guys who have come before, like Luke Keekley, Last year, it was very smart not to give to here Whitehead, who... Normally, wore 59 throughout his career um, back of Oakland and Detroit. It was great not to give him Luke Keekley's number, especially since Luke was still part of the organization as a scout and he had just retired. And the way to hear White had played, you think people were ticked off at how bad he was last year? Imagine if he was wearing 59 doing that kind of stuff. Number one, Cam Newton. Until Cam's out of the league, which could be very soon, but like a decade after. Those are the kind of numbers I would just wait. A, a reasonable amount of time, which I feel like a decade, then you kind of bring those numbers back, especially for like a high route, a high draft pick or someone like that, or someone who's proven to be a really good player for the organization. But retiring numbers, like think about soccer. Like you've had guys like Diego Maradona and Pele who played for Argentina and played for Brazil. 
they don't retire their national team numbers. And those guys are some of the greatest players in the history of the sport. They're not going to retire the national team numbers for Lionel Messi, who wears number 10, just like Diego Maradona. Same thing with Cristiano Ronaldo for Portugal. They're not going to retire his number seven from international competition. It's kind of like a uniquely American thing to where we retire uniforms. And if you've seen how fans in America let billionaires walk all over them, I don't think our traditions in America are necessarily the uh, the most logical. So retiring a number of statues, I'm not a huge fan of either one of those things. So no, there's not need to be another Panthers number who should have uh, another Panthers number that should be retired. Now, waiting 10 years, I'm cool with that. Next question. Uh, Karen says, would love to see some competition for Joey Sly. Who do you think could fit the bill? That's a difficult question. And I answered this earlier on this week. Looking at some of the guys that are available, like Dan Bailey was great for a number of years with the Cowboys, went to Minnesota when Mike Zimmer was having a ton of issues with the kickers, wasn't very good there. Um, also, his replacement, Brett Moore, turned out to not be very good in Dallas. He went to Arizona, was still not very good. It's just there's not a lot of good kickers out in the market. And that's my frustration when they let Graham Gano go. You had seen and he had proven in the league. And you can be frustrated with the Butker thing all you want. But Graham Gano beat out Harrison Butker as a pro bowler. And outside of the injury, Graham Gano was a very good kicker here in Carolina. Was he as good as John Casey? I'd have to go back and look at the numbers. But I just think, you know, probably not. And that's the thing. We've had good kickers throughout the history of this Panthers organization. Now, Joey Sly, through two seasons, has proven that he's not a very good kicker. He's one of the worst kickers in the NFL. He certainly is a professional kicker, but is he a kicker that's going to have you feeling comfortable about the situation? Uh, no. So Sam Sloman, that was the name I threw out there. He didn't miss a kick when he was with the Titans last season, back when Steven Goskowski, who really struggled last year, was having some issues. He's a name that I saw as a free agent that I think is worth calling you would also probably look at a guy like Kai Forbath, who's been around the league for a little bit, but there's just not a lot of good options. It's that's you see like with centers when they brought in Matt Paradis after he hurt, broke his leg with the Broncos, they didn't want to re-sign him. He really struggled that first year, and he hasn't really made that much of a mark here in Carolina's first two seasons. A center position is a position where you don't really see a lot of guys out on the market. Same thing with like quarterbacks; you don't really see a lot of good quarterbacks uh, available. Kicker. Obviously not nearly as important as the positions, but you notice when kickers miss field goals. You notice when they miss extra points. You notice when points come off the board because of your kicker. And we've noticed that the past two seasons here in Carolina. And y'all notice it back when Graham Gano would ever miss a kick. You get really mad about that. The Panthers don't have a great kicking situation right now, so I would absolutely love to see them bring in competition, but I just don't know what great competition is out there. Sam Sloman is a guy that loses who's kicked in the league, um, but... I don't know if it's going to really be the answer that we want here in Carolina, Corinne. All right, James asked me of all. Well, yeah, I think this was in com. This is actually a comment and sort of a question to kind of like my who has the most pressure on them going into uh, this year. He said all the questions. The two major ones are one a can Joe Brady take a step forward as an NFL OC and one b can Sam Darnold be a capable quarterback? Uh, Brady, like last year was his first time as a play caller against. Um, what you would consider the best defensive minds in football and the best defensive talent in all of football. So the expectations, while yes, they were high based on what he did in one season at LSU, working alongside Steve Ensminger and at offense with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, uh, Clyde Edwards, Lair, a ton of first round talent and the best offensive line in the country that year at LSU that he would hopefully come over here and make things better. I mean, even last year, despite going five and 11, 
with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, who you guys hate, they had 1,000-yard, 3,000-yard receivers from scrimmage and a 1,000-yard running back from scrimmage in Mike Davis. That's four. That's only happened like six other times in NFL history. Now, they're the only team that had a losing record, didn't make the playoffs under those circumstances. But the offense, you know, certainly in terms of that, putting out numbers, that worked out. Now, Sam Darnold can be a capable quarterback. Um, I'm not very confident in that at all. And Percy asked now, a lot of focus has been on Darnold not being the answer. Since you came to us after the Matt Rule hiring, what are your thoughts on him? Do you think he's the right head coach to push this to being a perennial contender in, in the South, NFC, or league? I, it's impossible to answer that question. My thoughts on Matt Rule, I went over this the other day too. I said that he was my second choice behind Eric Bieniemy and ahead of Mike McCarthy, who didn't have a great first year in Dallas. And I think a lot of that also obviously was him being a little old school and lying about his analytical approach and Dak Prescott getting injured. Anytime you go from Dak Prescott to Andy Dalton, you're going to have issues, obviously. And that defense was atrocious. Um, I don't I have no idea. I don't know. The history tells you that college coaches don't do well at this level. Pete Carroll, yes, he came from USC, but previously had been an NFL coach. Nick Saban, the best college coach in history, did not succeed. Steve Spurrier, a Hall of Fame head coach in his own right in college, did not succeed up in Washington for numerous amount of reasons. Cliff Kingsbury so far, who wasn't really successful in college, is kind of going on like a season on the brink this year in Arizona where he's got to figure things out or maybe he could be out of a job. I don't know if the pressure is that high on him, but it wouldn't surprise me the way the NFL operates. So, I mean, if I had to guess, based off of how head coaches in college have traditionally performed, um, I'd probably say no. He's unlikely to be the guy who can get this team to be a perennial contender because just typically college coaches don't do that, as we've seen over the last decade. I hope he does. But just basing off of history, um, kind of the same way I'm basing off of Sam Darnold's first three years in the NFL. No, I wouldn't guess he would be any good this year. Why? The same reason I wouldn't guess Matt Rule would be, because based off of history, um, yeah, I don't see it. So hopefully, but I don't know. All right, quick pause, and I will answer more of your questions here in just a moment. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, back with more of your questions. Greg asked, saying, um, going back to the special teams talk from a few days ago, if no one else is added to the roster, who is the punt returner in 21? I know you said that throw CMC out there, but I can't see that happening. Kane and that kick returner who on the roster could return punts. Shy Smith, an option. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Shy Smith certainly will be an option. And look, I, I think CMC should be the guy. If you want, if you really care about punt returns, the best punt returner on your, on your roster is Christian McCaffrey. But apparently that's just something that's not going to happen. Oh, God, just looking at the depth chart as I'm going to try and find it real quick. Who would be a good option at potentially? Uh, I mean, it, I think really punt returning outside of his big plays comes down to sure-handed receivers. They tried DJ Moore back there his rookie year. Things didn't necessarily work out. I wouldn't mind trying DJ Moore again. David Moore has a lot of speed. Why not? Uh, Brandon Zilster is a guy who wants to make the roster. He certainly should be trying to... Be one of those guys. 
So it's, it's probably one of your wide receivers, I think, really, at this point. If they're not going to put CMC back there, then only focus on whoever your most sure-handed guys are. And those are the guys who probably would be candidates to return punts, even though I don't think the Panthers are really going to be all that focused on punt return this season if they're not going to put Christian McCaffrey. Because if you're not, because to me, you're not serious about it if Christian McCaffrey's not returning punts. Uh, at TGAM37, I believe. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, but I, I, interesting. Uh, hey, Julian, big Panthers fan from Colorado. Okay, what's up, dude? Uh, going to be out in Colorado in June, by the way. Um, hit me up when I'm out there. Uh, hard to get games out here, but in seasons past, it's been worth the work. Struggling last year to be excited to watch the team with CMC out. I am a true fan, but I need your help. What should I be excited about for the Panthers this coming season? What should I look for? Thanks for the podcast. What should, you should be excited that you have the youngest team in the NFL, which means that they're only going to get older, they're only going to get more experience, and they should be together for a while, and we should be able to see them go through the low times to the hopefully the high points here in Charlotte. That's what you should be excited about. You should be excited about Brian Burns, who is one of the young premier pass rushers in the league. You should be excited about J.C. Horn coming in and being a day one starter. You should be excited about the possibilities with his offense with Sam Darnold. Honestly, I've said this already. I'm not a huge Sam Darnold believer, but I'm more interested in the Panthers this season because he's playing at quarterback because it's like, well, you know, let's see if he can figure it out. I doubt it. But he could. You should be excited about McCaffrey being at back. You said it's hard to watch him last year about McCaffrey. I mean, CMC's coming back. Can he do what he did a couple seasons ago with 1,000 yards receiving and rushing? You should be excited about Terrace Marshall. Um, a speed guy with great size on the outside. Those three guys, Terrace Marshall, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, there's plenty to be excited about with the Carolina Panthers. I always say, you can be excited about the team. Like the NFL sells hope better than anybody out there in any professional sports league in America. They like people. We spend what three months talking about the draft in hopes that these guys are going to come in and do well. When, especially in the early rounds, a lot of those guys, and even the late rounds, of course, a lot of those guys don't pan out. There's plenty of first round busts. The Panthers drafted plenty of guys, probably in their eleven, who aren't going to a make the team initially and b be any good. Well, you hope that the majority of them that they bring in, especially the top-round guys, turn out to be really good players for the Carolina Panthers. And that's the same thought for the Denver Broncos, the Dallas Cowboys, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Seattle Seahawks, Minnesota Vikings, everyone in the NFL. So you should be excited. So you got year two of Matt Rule, just seeing the growth of this team. That's what you really should be excited about. Young team who has a lot of potential and I think is going to be competitive this season to the point where they're not just in close games at the end failing but they're actually in close games at the end in winning jrv he has two questions for me this week uh first question what game will you go on record as saying is a lock win for the panthers in this year's schedule there are no lock wins in the nfl it's a week-to-week league seriously week to week you don't know whether who on your opponents can be injured when your roster's gonna be injured we go through it all the time just trying to figure out the inactive list and who's banged up who's not there's no such thing as a lock win if anything, a game that you should win, week one against the Jets is the game that they should win. Brand new coaching staff, a rookie quarterback who played against literally no one last year in Zach Wilson at BYU, and it's year two of Matt Rule. You have an experienced quarterback and with Sam Darnold. You get C-Mac back, or CMC, whatever you want to call him. You get CMC back, year two of Joe Brady. There's a lot more experience with the Panthers, even if they have the youngest roster. The Jets have one of the youngest rosters as well. 
that's one of the games that it's not a lock to win, but it's a game that the Panthers need to win, in my opinion, or at least should win. Because there's no, I guess, must wins or need like need to wins unless your season's going to end if you lose that game. It's week one. Get off to a good start. That's a game I think that they should win. I'm not going to call it a lock. What game do you see the Panthers pulling a possible upset? Again, week to week league. They could beat anybody. Now, do I think they're going to beat Tampa Bay, who brought back all 22 starters from the Super Bowl? Uh, if Tampa Bay doesn't have the same injury luck that they had last year, they could absolutely be susceptible to losing a football game to the Carolina Panthers. Based off of what we saw last season, I would have a hard time seeing the Carolina Panthers beating Tampa Bay. Uh, if there's going to be an upset, like Buffalo on the road in December, maybe. I don't know. I, I guess technically based off of what Vegas, anytime you're the underdog, that's an upset. So they're probably going to be the underdog week two against New Orleans at home. So I guess that would be an upset, right? It's just hard to answer those questions. Like, I just, I don't really, in college sports, yeah, I feed into upsets. In the NFL, everyone's getting paid. Like, there, you some teams have better roster management or in better situations with their quarterback and all that kind of stuff, have better head coaches, better GMs, better front offices, all that kind of stuff, better ownership. I just don't really buy into upsets in the NFL. You go out there, they get paid too, you get paid. I, I just don't, I don't really buy into it. Um, but I appreciate the questions, of course. Uh, Eric, last question of the week asking, this is more of a long-term implication question. Do you think there is a scenario where we re-sign Robbie Anderson? If there is, do you think that puts DJ Moore in jeopardy with pre-rule picks being phased out? Well, DJ Moore is not in jeopardy. They obviously saw enough from him after one season to where they felt comfortable with Scott Fitter just coming in in January, with Matt Rule having been here for a year and a half um, as a head coach, where they wanted to exercise his fifth-year option. So them doing that enough tells you that they see DJ Moore as a part of their future. And what he's done the last two seasons with the quarterback play that he's had, how could you not want this guy to be a long-term option? Now he has to massively regress. If anything, he's a young player. And the Panthers don't have to sign him next offseason. Like, you would want to, obviously. I think that should be one of the priorities. Of course, Taylor Moten should be the priority. Hopefully, if they get things, if they don't get anything done by July 15th of this year. Um, but he has another year under contract. Robbie Anderson, like, this is it. And he's getting older. DJ is going to be, what, entering his mid-20s. So, feasibly, he has more time to still be in his prime where Robbie Anderson's kind of getting to the point where he needs to cash out. So, do I think there's a scenario where they re-sign Robbie Anderson? Absolutely. Well, the only thing is, Chris McCaffrey, who got a huge deal and is really good as a receiving option, and then DJ Moore, like, those are your top two receiving options, in my opinion. And you add in Dan Arnold if he can add what you're hoping he can as a receiving tight end. So, there's another option. You just drafted Terrace Marshall in the second round. Reasonably, you would think that if you drafted a receiver in the second round, like Terrace Marshall, who has speed, like Robbie Anderson, who has more size, and I don't think Joe Brady's going to be here past the season, but still has a relationship with the OC, wouldn't that kind of make you think that he's probably going to take over Robbie Anderson's spot and the Panthers are prepared for the situation? As long as Terrace Marshall comes along, if he doesn't really come along this year, they're still prepared for him to be number two wide receiver in 2022. That's at least my opinion. So certainly there's a scenario. But if I were Robbie Anderson and knowing this is a business, he should go out there and take the money from the highest bidder. Because you only get to play football for so long. Winning would be great. 
He's obviously going to win more this year than he's probably ever won in his career with the New York Jets and obviously here in Carolina in year one. I think he should try, I guess, go to contender. Panthers could be a contender in 22, but I think he should just go and try and make as much money as possible. There's a scenario. I just don't think it's highly likely with DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, um, already being paid, at least DJ with a contract extension upcoming and being younger and having just drafted Terrace Marshall. All right, so that wraps up another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, hosted by me, Julian Council. Rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Spotify. Also, you can check us out on Google Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Odyssey, and wherever you get your podcast from. Wherever you're listening right now, just keep listening to that. And if there's ever issues where you listen, I'll let you know on the podcast. And if you ever have any issues where you're listening right now, go look at all the other options I just listed for you. Follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, where I'm going to need your participation again next Friday as we head into Memorial Day weekend. I want to get you a pod out there, so if you're going anywhere, um, you can listen to 30 minutes. So that can kill 30 minutes of your road trip. Hopefully, it's not a very long road trip. It's only a 30-minute road trip. Then, hey, perfect. If it's uh, three hours, well, there's a sixth of it for you. <laughs> so appreciate you all again for the support. It's been really great talking to you guys and interacting with you guys via Twitter and all the other avenues out there um so please uh, keep listening tell your friends tell your relatives when you see them next week and stay safe this weekend and i will talk to you all on monday is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.